0: You know one of the things she says is you know when we are doubting lord remind us that we are wonderfully made mm-hmm. and sometimes we may hit those roads we're where doubting you know we have i'm sure we've all hit it experienced that one way or another but we you know the lord will remind us that we are his yeah. we you know we are his clay he's going to take us he's going to mold us Right, and then uh, what else uh, she said? She said, you make all things work together for your glory. So each step of our lives, he's working it out for his glory. And, you know, one of the things that basically what I'm talking about today is we we talked about struggle before, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but not as much as it's going to be God's process versus struggle. And sometimes we can find ourselves in God's process and thinking We're struggling. And really, we're in God's process. We can find ourselves doing everything right. I said this before. Reading our word. Praying. Fasting. Worshiping. Seeking God. And wondering, Lord, why is this still coming against me? And we're thinking we're out of God's will. But we're right where he wants us to be. And we're in his process. And in his process, he he takes us, he makes us, and he molds us. And... God's process is gonna hurt. So it's not gonna be peaches and cream all the time. It's gonna hurt, and just like struggle hurts as well. But see, the difference is—we'll talk a little bit more about differences coming up. But let's turn to uh, Exodus chapter 13 and feel like did you read that? Exodus 13, uh, verse 17, all the way to Daniel chapter verse 22.
1: Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, verse 17 to 22. Verse 17 through 22. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said,
0: lest peradventure the people repent, when you see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the, ch- sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away from hence with you.
1: Away hence with you, and they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the
0: wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them away, to lead them the way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them
1: light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by
0: night before the people. Amen. Thank you. you know? So, this, uh, just paint a picture, this is when Israel is coming out of Egypt.
1: Uh, Pharaoh let them go. And now, they've crossed
0: the Red Sea. They've seen God perform many signs and wonders. And they've, they've seen the Egyptian army swallowed up by the Red Sea during this time.
1: Now, it would appear, we, we see that God has taken them now. The
0: shorter route for them to go would have been through where the Philistines were, but God knew the hearts of the Philistines, but He also knew the hearts of the Israelites as well. And we can look at this in the natural and say, "Well, God, why wouldn't You just take them through the shorter route instead of taking them through the longer route, which is taking them through the wilderness?" And then sometimes bringing it fast forward to you know our lives, our lives as Christians, we can find ourselves like. I think sometimes we would probably take the shorter route and go ahead, not realizing we're going to get into a battle, to a, a, a fight. Where at this point Israel wasn't being disobedient to God; they they followed Moses and followed around the way into the wilderness. And we're thinking, well, you know what? The wilderness is going to be a longer route, which it was, <coughs> compared to the shorter route going through the Philistines and taking them through the wilderness itself, which is not pleasant because if they went went through the Philistines area, it would be more developed. But again, God knew what would have happened during this time. And sometimes we could find ourselves trying to help God out, because God's trying to take us through a process, and we're trying to help him out, and then we would have went to battle against the Philistines not realizing what would have took place. And then we find ourselves getting hurt, and really, if they would have went through the battle with the Philistines, they would have ended up in a struggle. And just like God said, they would have returned right back to Egypt and then it would have took that much longer for God to get them out. Because now, at this point, they've been in Egypt all this time. They're not even built for war. That's not even their mindset. So, the Philistines would have wiped them out easily because their faith is not there. Amen. Amen. So, here we have to understand that there's a difference between God's process and struggle. The issue is, as Christians, we don't really know sometimes which one we're in. Sometimes we may think we're in God's process, but we're really struggling. And sometimes we think we're struggling, but we're really in God's process. So we have to figure out and know which one that we're in. We have to understand that God's process, there is, whenever we come out of God's process, we're going to come out with power. We're going to come out stronger. We're going to grow through God's process. So yes, it's going to hurt, but we're going to grow in the
1: midst of it. Struggle. We're going to be like Israel in the wilderness for 40
0: years, going around in the circle and still dealing with the same issues over and over and over. And understand, sometimes God's process is Him trying to get things out of us, and then sometimes His process is Him trying to get, instill things in us. So let's, let's go over the definitions first. So struggle, definition of struggle is this, to strive or to make efforts with the twisting or with contortions of the body. So immediately I read that definition, I'm I'm intrigued by contortions of the body. So contortion of the body means to take it into position that is not supposed to go. So we are really not supposed to be, find ourselves in the area of struggle. And we can see all throughout the Bible, people who found their area, found themselves in struggle was always due to disobedience. And sometimes we can start out in God's process and end up in struggle because we fight against him so an example I can give was the same thing I think I talked about it last week uh, I think it was either Saturday or Wednesday in uh, reference to the job that I had out of when I got out of the Navy where I was complaining a lot of that was really God's process but in, in hindsight I turned it into a struggle because I kept trying to leave the job but God's process kept me there <coughs> Because really, before I took that job, I had plenty of interviews and other job offers that I could have had. But once I took that job and was trying to leave, I couldn't get anything. <laughs> but it was part of God's process. But I was seeing it as a struggle, and because I kept bucking against God, it became a struggle for me until I learned to surrender, and submit, and recognize it was God's process. Then it was a lot smoother. Because, well, we'll we'll get there in a minute. All right, so let's read the definition of uh, process. So process is a proceeding or moving forward. Progressive course tendency as the process of man's desire. Proceedings, gradual progress, course as the process of war. So understand, when countries are in a war, there's different battles. So sometimes you may lose a battle, but you didn't lose the war. And, then, uh, and on the flip side, you can win a battle, but it doesn't mean you won the war neither. So we have to understand a part of God's process, we're going to experience battles along the way. And that's okay. That is expected because when we're going through God's process, once again, our flesh is not going to want to give in. But we have to understand God is trying to take things out of us that are not pleasing to Him. And He gets those things out part of His process. The thing is, we don't fully know. God sees the end from the beginning. So he knows what's not pleasing to him. He knows what's in our hearts. Sometimes we may not know what's in our hearts. Sometimes we may think we're ready. God, I have this. But then as soon as something comes up and hits us, now we start to it down. It's like a boxer having a glass jaw. As soon as we get hit, we're like, nope, never mind. I don't want it. But... You know God's process is designed to set us up for success, to get us to the end point for what He sees for us in our life and our walk.
1: Amen. All right,
0: I don't think I read this. A uh, process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So understand, God's process always has an end. The struggle does not. The struggle continues to go in a circle, wandering around in the wilderness with no end in sight, and there's no growth there, now, like I said, they both going to hurt, God's process and the struggle, are both going to hurt, but we have to be able to discern which one we're in, because if we're being disobedient, then we're going to find ourselves in struggle, alright, so, as I said, expected it in, so Jeremiah 29 and 11, actually, I was, we Jeremiah 29, verse 11. All right, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'm going to read through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I believe the King James Version says and expected in. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So we have to understand that this is (coughs) Jeremiah's letter letter to Israel as they were captives. And this is what God is speaking to them. Right? So in hindsight that when we look at it in the natural, even though their disobedience caused them to end up being in, in captivity, it was still a part of God's process because God was trying to do something in them. And he says... Even in the midst of that, when you call out for me, I will hear you. I will answer. And not only that, even with them being in the midst of the captivity, he says, he tells them to go build houses, to get married, find wives, have children, and still be productive. So when Jeremiah first tells them that they're going to be in captivity, they're bucking it. It's like, no, no, this doesn't make sense. And then the other prophet is saying, peace, peace, peace. But, again, sometimes God's process is going to hurt. It's not going to make sense to the natural. But this is where our faith and our trust in Him has to come in. Alright, so what are some differences between process and struggle? So I already mentioned one where God's process, there's an expected end. There's no expected end in struggle. And there's going to be growth in God's process. And we have to understand, even in the midst of God's process being hurting our flesh and things like that and getting us to do things that we don't want to do. When we're in God's process, even though it hurts, He gives us the grace, the anointing, to get through the process. If we're finding ourselves in struggle, mm-hmm. His anointing is not there. His grace is not there. Yes, even in the midst of struggle, we can still experience this, because God is sovereign. Spurts of His presence, we could be in a service and his presence could still come and shower us, but it's not going to be upon us as much as it would be if we stay in his God's grace. He's he, No matter what we go through, as part of God's process, he has equipped us for it to get us through the process and to keep us and sustain us, but we can't buckle. We can't be disobedient like Israel was. We, we can't be disobedient. If we start to murmur, we start to complain, now we're going to find ourselves in struggle, and now his anointing, his grace is no longer there to keep us through there. All right, so so understand, a struggle keeps us stagnant. So what happens uh, when we look at water, water can become stagnant. So what happens with water that's stagnant? It starts to create an odor. It starts to smell, right? Why? Because the organisms that's in there, they can't live. They can't survive. And really, when we find our struggles, we could become smelly. And we could become almost a stench to God. Because we're being disobedient. But when we're in God's process, His hand is upon us. And He's watching over us and He's keeping us all along the way. We may not see it. We may not feel it. And like I said, we can still be doing everything right. We can still be going into prayer. And we could pray for an hour or so and not feel his presence. That's okay. Because there's times where I go and I'm praying and I'm not feeling his presence. But again, there's faith. And there's other times where I'm just sitting at work. I'm just at the computer, typing, and all of a sudden His presence just comes on me. Right? It's a part of being in this process. Staying in His will, staying online, and focused on what He's calling us to do. And again, He knows the expected end right from the beginning. We don't. So a lot of times we're trying to help Him out, but He don't need our help. He just needs us to obey and listen. And that's how we find ourselves in trouble. Amen. Alright, so... Again, so both struggle and God's process can hurt. But if we stay in God's process, now we can have peace. We can still have long suffering. We can still have joy all through that. So we can
1: start out sometimes in God's process and end up in struggle. And we got to be mindful not to do
0: that. Because a lot of times, like I said, we, we think and we're in God's process, but we ended up and we're really in a struggle. So if we're st- if we're finding ourselves in the same position, same dilemma, time after time after time after time, then we might need to look at that we're struggling, and we need to seek God on that, because like I said, even though God's process sometimes it can be short, sometimes it can be long. God's process can last years, right? But in the midst of it lasting years, it should still be growth along the way. So an example of that is. Look at Joseph, right? So my wife mentioned Joseph uh, the other day. So even with Joseph, he first gave, let's see, there was a time gap of about 14 years from the time he received his vision to the second time he got out of captivity, out of jail. So all that was still a part of God's process for him. All along the way, same thing with David, right? So David, from the time he was anointed... (laughs) To the time he he became king was 14 years. So again, that's all God's process because God had to take David through certain things to get him out of the mindset of a shepherd to get him into a mindset of a king and set him up in position. And that's what he did. But see, David was still obedient along the way which is why even though it took some years he still had growth throughout the process because God's grace was upon him. So even though Saul was out there trying to kill him, and even though his family rejected him, God's grace was still upon him along the way. So while he's out there being rejected by his dad and his brothers, and he's tending to the sheep, even during that time, he took that time to spend time with God. Call out to God. He took that time even to spend time with the sheep. And guess what? God was building him up along the way. That's how he was able to, to kill the bear, kill the lion. Because he's setting him up. Because nobody trained David like the other soldiers. So now when David shows up with Goliath, he steps out in faith. And he trusts. And, and you think about it, Saul had to trust him. <laughs> and Well, that's really God's grace being on David. Because if you read the scriptures, it says when Goliath challenged him, he says "If whoever wins will be servant to the other. So if Israel had lost, they would have been serving to the Philistines. But see, David took God at his word, where the rest of the Israelites were scared and shaken. And David was able to defeat Goliath because he stood in faith and he trusted God. But it was all a part of God's process because even though he did that, and even though he got growth came and promotion came, guess what? Other hindrances and obstacles still came against him. But he stays true to God. He still stayed. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He didn't go kill himself. He didn't go run off. No. He trusted God each time along the way. He would do what? He would pray when he faced an obstacle, and that's what we have to do. All throughout God's process, we have to pray. So understand this. So Saul struggled to be king, and being king. But God took David through the process to be king. So. Really, God was trying to get Saul to go through a process, but Saul couldn't finish the process because Saul was disobedient. Amen. Saul was really a people pleaser. Saul would give in to the people more so than he would heed to God's commandments. Alright, so understand, again, like the process change. God's process will change us. Romans 12 and 2, you don't have to turn down, we just read it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So his process is going to transform us. It's going to change us. It's going to make us stronger. It's going to set us up for more success down the road. And if we, you know, sometimes
1: we can't see it. So I can attribute it to me where I never liked public
0: speaking. I can remember the day where I first had to speak publicly and going back to elementary school where I had to read a paper I wrote and I'm literally shaking but God sees the end from the beginning on what he was calling me to and what did he do he set me up along the way he set me up and even from the Navy he set me up in jobs and positions where now I had to start speaking I didn't I didn't I didn't too much like it initially (laughs) I didn't too much like it but now I have no problem in getting up and doing it because he prepared me along the way. It was part of God's process along the way. Even working major crimes and having to give briefs and for my cases. It doesn't bother me how many people are in the room. I'm going to do and I can do. But see, if I had bucked him and I ran and chose not to follow his process, then I would still be struggling with that today. And that's a part of God's growth. Again, so God's growth is going to set us up for, excuse me, God's process. It's going to set us up for growth and for us to be successful. But the problem is, we want to see the success right here. <laughs> I'm like, God, if I do this, are you going to do it? But that's not obedience. That's not trusting Him. And, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard to our mind because our mind is like, Lord, I don't see where you're going with this. Why are you calling me here? Why do you have me here? It's not making sense to me because our mind begins to play tricks on us. Right? But then we have to rest and abide in his
1: presence and his word and again he's going to keep us through it so regardless of how people on our job may treat
0: us or how family members may do us you know with family rejecting us or friends rejecting us you know that could be a good thing that's a good thing if we stay in God's process and draw closer to him but if we don't draw closer to him now we can find ourselves in a struggle and it's the same thing with people dealing with finances as well. Part of God's process will be what to give, right? So, but if you choose not to give, and then
1: you're going to find yourself struggling. So I can even talk about us for one. I think I mentioned this a uh, while
0: back, but when we got married and after I got saved, I'm like I had negative experiences with you know churches with tithes and offering. But then God spoke to me, said prove me, and then that's what I that's what I started to do. But we were mounted up with so much, so many bills. <laughs> I said this before that our checks were spent before we got it. But because we stayed in God's process, even still, He kept us. And then even the financial advisor said, "I don't see how y'all survived. <laughs> and, that, and that's what he would say. I don't see how y'all y'all making it, and it doesn't make sense. But because we we conformed to God's process and we didn't struggle by not giving offering and tithes but we stayed true to God's process He kept us to the point where He got us out of debt right so because we kept trusting Him along the way and each time promotion came promotion came more and more it came and then the debts were wiped out because see nobody told me when I went in the Navy not to get credit cards and things like that we thought it was a good thing Uh, you know all us young sales. we thought it was a good thing so I never spent cash I just used credit cards but I had to pay for it later on, but nobody told me that, right, so, but, you know, again, that's the world system, but God's process is going to keep us, and to the point where, even if we make mistakes like I did, once he steers us right back on track, on course, he's going to keep us, and set us up for success, and again, but are we going to obey him, because a lot of times it's, it's, it's not going to appear. It's, it, we're going to say, God, why are you doing this? Let me help you out. And, and we've all been guilty of that, I'm sure.
1: You know, and he doesn't need our help. He just needs us to obey. And anyway, if we obey, now we can get to the process. And then we get to the next step and continue growth and more growth. All right, so um, I mentioned how uh,
0: Saul struggled because he he struggled because he did what was right in his own eyes. So let's turn to First Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning at verse 17. So this is what this is Samuel here talking to Saul because Saul is being disobedient again. So Samuel approaches Saul, and I begin reading. So Samuel said, "When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel?" Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. For those that don't know, God promised to wipe out all the Amalekites. Why? Because when Israel came, when they left Egypt, the Amalekites attacked them. They attacked them from the rear and they killed their women, they killed some children, and they attacked them for no reason. And at this time, Israel was not ready for war. So God promised Israel, said at that time he was going to wipe out the Amalekites from the face of the earth. And he was trying to use Saul to do that. Alright, so why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So basically Saul saying he obeyed because he had destroyed all the Amalekites, but he kept the king alive. So he didn't obey. And not only that, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice And to heed the fat of rams For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry So Saul was in rebellion Because Saul He had basically Adamitis, Because he blamed the people For the sheep and oxen For them taking that instead of him Because he's the king What happens when the king speaks at this time During that time They obey. There was no disobeying the king but he chose to listen to the people. So because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you for being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So understand, God really wanted to set Saul up to be king and to be successful. For his kingdom to always be remembered. He says that in, uh, uh, I think it's 1 Samuel 13. He talks about that. But Saul kept being disobedient. And the thing about it is Saul truly did not have a repentant heart. This is why God told Samuel, "I want someone who's after my own heart." Right. So this is why he rejected him, and this is why he searched for David, and he found David because David was a man after God's own heart. All Saul had to do, even through his blunders and his mistakes, was to repent and ask for forgiveness. But he would never repent. He kept blaming other people. Sometimes, when we find ourselves in, in in a situation where we're struggling, like Saul here struggling, we start to blame other people. Right. We could blame. The messages coming fall from the pulpit. We could blame our family members and things like that, but truly, when we struggle, it's on us. We can't blame anybody else. We have to set responsibility for ourselves, and that's what Saul didn't do here. When David, David were, David wasn't perfect. David would make mistakes, constantly, over and over. But the difference with David is David will repent, and David's heart would turn, and he would seek God, and he would ask for forgiveness. Saul never did that. And even at his death, God spoke and said all Saul had to do was repent. But what did he do? He kept doing what he wanted to do, what was right in his own eyes. He never repented. So just imagine if Saul would have repented. He probably would have lived a lot longer. Not to say that God still wouldn't have gave David the kingdom, but he would have lived a lot longer. But he would never repent. So understand this. And I guess I'll finish this next week, but I'll close with this. The process may not always be smooth. So we can get process and struggle mixed up. We we have to have discernment on which one that we are in. And far too many times as Christians, we don't recognize which one we're in. So understand the process, while it may God's process, while it may hurt always produces growth. Always produces growth and there is an end result because the growth is a part of what God is trying to get us to at the end, because understand, just like he told Jeremiah, God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. So he knows what he's calling us to. <clears throat> we don't fully know. And even if we receive a prophetic calling from somebody, you know, we may it, it still may take years, just like it did with David. Right? So I received prophetic callings within the first year I got saved, not knowing it would take years later before I get to some of it. And then even when we moved here to Virginia, the first few years, I didn't receive any prophetic calls from anybody. But part of the process was me going to God and seeking God and Amen. God revealing to me Amen. what he has for me. And then probably about five years after being here, then I got a couple of prophetic words. And, and again, that still didn't come to fruition
1: for years later on, on what they were prophesying to me. But again, I didn't just run out and say, all right, well, they prophesied this,
0: so I'll do this. I'm, no, 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 we don't do it because, see, God knows when we're ready. And say again, sometimes we can think we're ready and we're not because we can get out there and I'm like, God, you know, we can say, God, I got this. I'm ready. I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, the enemy will throw something at us and we'll trip up. But we have to stay in God's process and we have to be obedient to that. So, understand, even with all that David went through, it looked like he was in a struggle, but it was all a part of God's process. God had a plan the whole way. And because David stayed with the plan, and David stayed humble along the way. Now, once he became king, he made some mistakes. He he did make some mistakes that he shouldn't have. But, for him to become king, to go from shepherd to become king, he had to stay in God's process. And that's what he did. And and guess what? And we'll see in the Psalms that... It wasn't easy. He cried out to God a lot of times. Right? But God still, once he went out and cried out to God, God's peace came over. Why? Because he was still in the process and he stayed obedient to what God was calling him to do. Amen? Amen. Amen.